nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Borrowed up our Chris Avatar. Everyone, welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Twilight Show. Meet Nathan again. And tonight, I'm talking with Emma Daniels and Amreen Lequat, both teachers who work in education other than at mainstream school. <gasps> Ready. The alternatives to Proves is a fast track to the criminals' justice system. They have no leadership, guidance, or mentoring. This is what's been said. Join us. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. It's sunny. I think you know. I haven't got over it. I've spent maybe six months saying that it's raining here in Swansea. Um, it's, it's sunny now. We are in summer. I have been out with kids today. We've been playing football. It's ah, summertime is here again. Now I'm joined by a lot of guests tonight. We're going to have a big discussion and the talking point. The talking point for us this week is all around those two comments that I've read out already. Um, these 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 comments by um, prospective councillors, I believe is how we, how we should phrase it, uh, potential politicians um, about education um, out after exclusion, I think is what they were trying to phrase it as. They were, they were talking about um, children who are no longer educated in a mainstream setting. And two of the big comments that we'll pick apart, although there were plenty others, were uh, one of them said uh, the alternative uh, is Prue's. Um, a fast track to the criminal justice system. And that suggests something that we've heard maybe before about this idea of a um, prue to prison pipeline and exclusion to prison pipeline. And then also another one suggested that once a child leaves mainstream school or they have been excluded, that they have no leadership, guidance or mentoring, which as someone who works in a in alternative provision in AP, you know, I kind of... <laughs> That's a little bit harsh on what I do day in, day out um, to, to suggest that the children I'm working with have none of that. Um, we've also had, interestingly enough, just in one of our other teachers talk radio, um, Mary um, Bowstead. Uh, I, I never quite get her name right from the National Education Union, has uh, been quoted as saying that uh, 10% of children in their education time or the secondary education are um, illegally excluded. We are still unpicking that as as we talk, but maybe we'll get some more comments on that. Now, I'm just going to check in with my guests. Now, first of all, Emma, are you here? Can you hear me? Can you unmute yourself? I'm going to check all those things. Yes, I'm here, Nathan. I can hear you. Hello. Hello. I can hear you loud and clear. Um, yes. Maybe a little bit louder, if you can, or a little bit closer to the mic, maybe. Okay. Um, is that a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sounds okay. fabulous. Now I'm going to check in with our other callers as well. We've got Amreen here as well. Can you try for us? Hi, Nathan. Oh, yeah, absolutely perfect. There we go. And we've also got Sadie joining us as well. Is that right? Hi, Nathan. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, that, fabulous. Right, we are we are all here. Uh, and I should say to anyone else listening as well, you can text in if you're listening live uh, through the Podbean app in, in the chat function that you should be able to see. It. If you want to call in, you can click that call in button and we'll try and, and connect you as well with the questions, with your thoughts. You can obviously message us on Twitter at TT Radio uh, 2022 now we are uh, because that's the year we're in. Always it struggles. It's not until like maybe September that I get ready for it, and then never again. So TT Radio 2022 on Twitter. Oh, of course, I'm at Lesson Coffee. If you want to message me directly, right? Let's introduce everyone then. So uh, we'll start with we'll work down the list that I've got you in connected order because it's it's, it's, it's easier for me as I as I um, talk to you each. So we we'll start with Sadie. So Sadie, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, and, and why you've got skin in this game, for want of a better word. You know, why, why are you interested? Um, well, I actually came into um, teaching at an alternative provision after I had my children. Um, I worked in mainstream for seven years, I think, um, both as an unqualified teacher, then to do my teacher training, and then finally um, having a job there as an English teacher. Um, the, the school that I worked in was in a quite a an, an area of quite high deprivation um, and it was a really challenging school but I absolutely loved it um, you know there were lots of interesting young people um, really really fantastic memories from there to be honest um, when I had my children I just found the wor- workload as an English teacher just too much um, and while I was on maternity leave a colleague of mine had just moved to um, the provision that we work at and and said that there was an English um, job going there and my my role's a little bit different I actually work on the um medical outreach side of our alternative provision so I actually um oversee the team going into people's homes for students that can't access school for a variety of physical and mental health needs um so it's a kind of different strand of of the alternative provision that we provide um what I think that's going to be really interesting for us to unpick, though, as well, because we do tend to, when people say PRU, and when I feel like, you know, it, it's been used in some of these contexts by people maybe not in the sector, they're it, very narrowly defined, I think, maybe they forget about all the different varieties of alternative provision there are. Yeah, totally. And when I, when, when I tell people what I do, I don't, they don't really know what it is. Um, but essentially, I am just an English teacher. I just teach in different places and different homes. <laughs> um, so it's it. I absolutely love what I do. I'm really proud of our provision. Um, and when Emma told us about, you know, about this opportunity, we were all quite, you know, <laughs> angered and impassioned and and pleased to be here today. Really, thank you, Nathan, for having this discussion. <laughs> no, it's fabulous to have you. Now we'll move on to Emma. Now, so uh, Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi there, Nathan. Um, yeah, so I work with Sadie um, along in the same provision. We're both English teachers. Um, I've been in the provision now for about four years. Um, again, like Sadie, I um, was in mainstream for probably about 10, 11 years. Um, And then I moved into alternative education four years ago. And I teach in our college, uh, Key Stage 4 GCSE, English Language and Literature. Um, I'm also the middle leader for behaviour and attitudes, which involves our coaching model um, and how we work with the students and the staff in a coaching capacity. Um, And I've also recently been appointed the trust wellbeing lead for the um, trust as a whole. So that's looking at um, obviously how we provide SEMH support for 
students and the staff as well, staff mental health and wellbeing. Um, yeah, well, that would so be really yeah. interesting to to unpick the staff bit as well. That's something like I think is often forgetting about when we talk about working in kind of challenging or emotionally draining situations. But it must have cut then to the bone a little bit when there were counsellors or perspective counsellors, I think it is, um, mm-hmm. saying that the children you work with get no leadership guidance or mentoring. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, re- that really did great. Um, considering, um, you know, the amount of work input that we do around that particular area for our young people, um, the SMH needs and the academic needs are equally as important. We, ha- we have high expectations for our students academically, but obviously we've got a real focus on their social, emotional, mental health needs. Um because obviously if they're not if they're not their basic needs are not being met then how can they learn essentially um so you know we spend a lot of time getting to know our students building relationships with them coaching them it's it's very much part of our culture okay and then we uh also introduce as well amrine are you there I'm just hi nathan yep. Yes, there you are. You're with us. Um, it's lovely to have you on. Why don't you just introduce yourself as well? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and, how, and kind of how you got into it. Okay, so my name's Amreen. Um, I studied at the University of Manchester and completed my BA in Linguistics and English Literature. Um, my passion for education started actually um, whilst watching um, the 90s movie with Michelle Pfeiffer, Gangster's Paradise. Okay. Um, Whilst watching that and being in the education system myself, um, I realized what a difference a teacher can make, and not only academically, but to a person's life, to literally going to um, saving people's lives. So I went on to do Teach First program and working in inner inner city mainstream schools across Manchester in the most sort of deprived areas, uh, Mosside, Longsite, etc. And then in 2008, I moved to West Yorkshire and I worked um, in mainstream mainstream schools um, as a pastoral role, as behaviour management roles. And then whilst doing supply work, I joined Ethos College and then um, became a permanent member of staff in 2016 as an English specialist um, teaching um, with Sadie on the medical team. And I've never looked back. It's something that I'm really passionate about. I've seen students come in um, without being able to make eye contact, without um, having um, past targets to sort of going on to university and to becoming really wholesome human beings. So after reading those tweets, um, it really angered me um, you know, the sort of stereotype that people have of PRUs and alternative provisions. Hence, I'm here tonight with you guys. Okay, well, there's some really interesting bits with you that I want to kind of pull on there, because obviously, you've seen the the kind of pastoral side, I guess we call it of mainstream settings, where those um, uh, typical behaviours that people I think in these threads are talking about might be exhibiting that would, you know, lead down a route of possible exclusion. But also then, Teach First, in, 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 you know, in my stereotyped view was about putting like, really smart people into tough and challenging schools so that we got kind of the best in there working in high aspirations and that 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 sounds like what we're getting from you you Amrine have I over stereotyped there I think teach first um when I um I did it in 2000 and when it first sort of came out in the early years um and it was something that was a leadership program it was aimed 
for um, graduates that got a two one or a first to sort yeah. of go into SLT roles. Whilst working in mainstream, one of one of the things that I realized with Teach First, it was it was an amazing opportunity, but there was a lot of paperwork and it was more sort of driven towards getting you into the managerial roles, whereas my passion was with the students on the ground. Um, and I felt um, that that's something that was sort of lacking with Teach First. Um, okay. And so that's why I sort of moved away from that and went towards the sort of p- pastoral side and behavior management side um, in mainstream schools because I really wanted to work on the ground rather than, um, you know, from the top bottom. Yeah, no, that is fantastic. That's really interesting kind of conversations that we will be able to have. So thank you all for coming on uh, and our different perspectives. Now, the bit that I want to get to first of all, and we can talk about kind of our own perspectives about how we've seen this done in different ways. You know, I wanted to get um, an idea of how you guys see a child getting from point A, which, you know, would be a mainstream setting to a a pupil referral unit of any type, kind, medical, behavioural, or an alternative provision of some form, that process, because I think there is maybe a misunderstanding. So if we kind of, you know, I I don't know who wants to take that. How do children get into your school? Um, Can I, can I go? Go? Yeah, go for it, Sadie. Well, I suppose for, for us, I feel like our school is a is a very normal school. I don't want to say that the students are different because I don't think they are. I just feel that a lot of our students don't necessarily fit into the box of a mainstream school um, in the sense of that kind of conformity or the mental health needs kind of stop them from being able to, to do the things that they're supposed to be doing. Um, and as a result of that, they kind of are led down our pathway um, I don't know whether anyone else agrees there. I just think that it's it's a kind of. So I guess would it? So you're not. To, they don't necessarily have to have been permanently excluded no, before I, they reach you. Absolutely not. No, not not for our students, um, and especially like on with our students that come in through the medical register where me, uh, myself and Amreen work. It's it is very much those students that that just cannot cope in that mainstream setting with. Um, you know, like, as I said, that kind of like box fit um, and the, the need that, as Emma was talking about, the SEMH support that, that we provide is, is so crucial because the mental health needs are so um, apparent that they, they, they can, um, they can, schools can actually um, apply or, sorry, refer their students to us um, and then it goes through a panel where we kind of ascertain whether the school has done everything that they can to meet that student's needs. And if that's the case, then they can be referred to us um, and we can we can take them on. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a behaviour issue. It's not, you know, a behaviour setting. It's it's very much um, an SEMH setting is ours. And I would imagine that would be with parental support as well. It wouldn't be sort of against a parent's wishes. There w- it would be a kind of whole team around the child approach. Absolutely. And um, as I said, you know, kind of everything is done um, prior to that. We, we ensure or our, our leaders ensure that, that all those steps have been taken to possibly support that child in, in the setting that they were originally in. Um, and then following that, if, if the school can't meet the needs, then we, we try to see if we can. Also, um, if I can interject, um, 
there's a big stereotype, like you just said, Nathan, that it's always permanently excluded students with behavior issues and, you know, from a certain sort of um, criteria, um, certain um, style, lifestyle, I guess. But a lot of the referrals that um, come into Prus, um, it's a number of things such as experiencing emotional um, difficulties, mental health problems, anger problems, um, phobias or school refusal, um, even severe bullying. You get students um, that are diagnosed with um, educa special educational needs or are even in the process of getting a diagnosis. Um, in our provision, there's um, people, um, students, young people suffering from short-term or long-term illnesses such as cancer, leukemia, MS, um, you know, that mainstream school is just unsuitable for their needs. We even get new starters who have missed out maybe on um, a school place. So um, for those um, students that may, you know, be relocating, etc. And even pregnant and young mothers, um, they use alternative provisions. So this sort of stereotype of it's all behavior and it's all, you know, um, the quote unquote naughty children is something that's, you know, quite untrue. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the process. I should say I'm in Wales where we have a different process. I have been teaching in England uh, before this, but I am now in Wales. We call it um, EOTUS, which stands for Educated Other Than at School. And it would be a similar process as described there. We don't have um, uh, academies or any, any schools like that. So it's all local authority managed. And uh, yeah, there is a panel. Uh, where a school who feel that a child needs some more support than the school is able to provide or a different kind of setting or a different level of support um, refers to that panel um, and a decision is made whether there is space or support or whether funding will be given to the school to meet the needs in a different way. And, and it's kind of done and that has to be done with parental um, support as well. And so for me, this idea that, you know, that, um, children are um you know being kicked out of school as you know as, as some of these things have described and then we i don't know you know go around in a in a in a car and sweep them up off the street and and then they're ours just doesn't reflect the reality of the process that's in place um now the other bit i wanted to ask about just before we get into really the tweets and, and kind of talking it through is the kind of education that's provided because we've talked about the type of child which I think there's a lot of misconceptions around and we'll unpick more, but also the type of education. And it is implied, sometimes it is explicit in some of the, the, the these comments, but it's implied that the education is in some way lesser because it is not within a mainstream setting. So I wanted to unpick that a little bit. If you could maybe describe, you know, the kind of qualifications, the kind of work, the kind of outcomes. I know, Emma, you mentioned already about going to university and such like that pupils get through coming through a setting like this. Um, yes, I'll take that, um, Nathan. So we, we take very, um, we take pride in our curriculum, actually, and I'm extremely proud of the curriculum that we offer for our young people. Um, it's a very broad and balanced curriculum. As I've said before, um, it's SCMH needs are equally as important as academic outcomes. So the curriculum is very much, the social emotional needs are very much embedded into our curriculum. We provide GCSEs. Um, so many of our students will um, sit GCSEs in English, math, science. Um, they also have um, option subjects that they can choose from. We've got GCSE psychology. We've got BTECs in health and social care and child development. Um, and we've also got um, 
a forest school curriculum, which is absolutely fantastic. And our young people get so much out of that um, experience. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, as a, as a vision, we can be really, really proud of. Um, we also offer a nurture curriculum. Um, I mean, the whole ethos of our school is very much about uh, embedded in nurture principles um, and that all behaviour is communication and the classroom is a safe space, et cetera. Um, and we do have students who, you know, they follow individualised pathways that meet their needs. Um, but we also, you know, we make sure that they get... Um, that broad and balanced curriculum they're doing the same qualifications that mainstream students do in terms of GCSE English and maths and science um so it's it's very much um something that I think we've worked very hard on and something that again is that misconception around um that you know they're perhaps not getting the the quality of curriculum that they would get in mainstream but actually a lot of our students would say the the exact opposite of that I think yeah. Can, can I jump in as well and, and yeah. as a kind of working with students that are dual registered um I think there's a massive misconception about the teachers as well because obviously we have to liaise with schools as as part of the students being dual registered um and quite often I get the feeling that they feel that we're not proper teachers um when actually you know all of our staff are qualified teachers and delivering the same standard of curriculum that mainstream schools provide and that's one thing that I find quite difficult as well I mean it's not just the misconception of the students it's also the misconception of the staff that are teaching them mm. yeah you know definitely and I think you know there is you know I, I, I hold my hands up and I you know I uh, my existence in the setting that I have in is is uh, I, I fit a very specific need and I teach a very specific set of things and where necessary we have subject specialists still who teach the other things and that surprises people that that we even have subject specialists if that makes sense sometimes they say oh yeah no no I'm not you know just making it up as I go along you know these are actual GCSEs this is not you know this is not messing around um, and I think that is something that that, that people forget about the, the, the type of activities the the kind of um education that is going on and, and the bit that I wanted to, to, to unpick just you know and get your opinions on is my feeling my conjecture I'm going to put forward is that not only do the children do well in comparison with their peers um, the children that I myself work with um, and and in any APO or crew I would put this against not only do they do well compared to their peers who are in a mainstream setting they actually are doing better than that specific child would have done if we'd left them in the mainstream setting, because for, you know, the children that I often work with were not being successful in a mainstream setting. They became successful through us providing the support and the structure and the, the, the care around them. Absolutely, 100%. Um, obviously, it's all about, for me, it's all about environment um, and the young people that come to us, the mainstream environment, for whatever reason, wasn't suitable for them. And then when they come to a nurture environment such as ours, um, they're able to flourish and thrive. Um, I mean, I can just quote what one of our students said um, yesterday when we were actually having a little bit of a debate around this um, with the students. And she said, I have found a supportive, empathetic environment that gave me the time and space to mentally recover and now she's academically sort of soaring. Um, 
And I think that for me, that just summed up the, you know, the level of support that we offer um, and a level of coaching and mentoring and all the rest of it that we do to get them into a place and a space, a headspace where they can actually thrive and um, uh, achieve their potential. Totally agree with that, Emma. Um, in regards to um, the progress that they make, you know, on medical needs, we have students um, that come to us with really low data. And then when we input our data, um, the mainstream schools pick it up. So um, for English, we've had students that have come in with target grades of three. And then in their sort of mid year mocks, they're coming out with um, six six and sevens and the mainstream schools can't understand and they question us and query us on this data but it's because the focus is um child-centered whereas in a, a mainstream school they try their best and if you're in a class of 30 and there's a child that has extra needs for that teacher to you know really focus on their needs and sort of make the curriculum um based around what their sort of um, understanding is of the world around them um you know it's very difficult. So when they do come to us, we see them thrive, um, you know, emotionally, um, socially and academically. And, you know, there's a number of case studies um, that, you know, all three of us have seen throughout the years that, you know, students have gone on to, um, one of my ex-students has gone on to the University of Manchester to study psychology. Another one of my students um, has gone on to um, do her PGCE. Another student, um, you know, um, has um, he's doing law at the moment. So you see our students really um, flourish in this sort of nurture environment that, you know, alternative provisions do provide and ethos does provide. And I think mainstream schools are quite shocked. And, you know, like what Sadie said, um, initially there's, um, you know, there's maybe a bit of confusion about the work we do and how we, you know, the quality of work that we provide um, for our students and teaching methods. But once they see the results, you know, um, the confidence in the alternative provision, I think, you know, increases um, strength to strength as the years go by. Would you ladies agree? I I was just going to, yeah, totally add to that in the sense that, um, again, I'm going back to staffing, but a lot of it, because it's very much, it's, it's certainly not an attack on mainstream either, because I think, you know, every that gets into teaching wants to make a difference and and do that but they're just not given the time they're not given the you know the facilities the funding that they need to be able to do that and like Amreen said working in a class of 30 students if you've got one struggling it's really difficult to pick them up and to take them and to set them aside and find out what their you know what their needs are and a lot of the teachers in terms of recruitment that we get at, at ethos a lot of them talk about how the reason that they kind of want to leave that mainstream setting is because they want to make a difference and they want to be able to you know have that time and that dedication that is the reason essentially that you do get into teaching isn't it oh, for, you know definitely and I think you know I would reflect that that you know I um often not within education as much but you know within um sort of friends and, and family groups will talk about you know they'll, they'll, they'll say things like oh but you know do they get GCSEs and I say they get A's you know these kids get A's that's what you know that that is what we do and, and I think that's something that needs to be um kind of swept away this kind of idea that it, it you know it is lesser in some extent now the other bit I wanted to unpick I think it was Sadie who mentioned just about dual registered there and talk about dual registered and reintegration and and what would be the case that I think another thing people maybe misunderstand 
is um, that there is communication. You know, there is often if, uh, you know, a child uh, is goes to a pupil referral unit, um, maybe in year seven, there, there would be uh, the school would keep in contact and they would certainly be looking that at some point there may be a reintegration back into the mainstream school. Um, the, there are children who, who do a little bit of both. Um, how does it work for you guys? Do you reintegrate? Do you uh, do it a couple of days sometimes? For, for our medical setting, the whole purpose of, of the setting is reintegration. Um, we never accept a student on medical knowing that they're going to come and solely be on medical for the rest of the school um, lives because it's, it's not healthy for them to, to be isolated in a one-to-one setting. So the, the whole, um, you know, the whole purpose of we have six weekly review meetings with the, with everybody involved, all agencies um, and stakeholders of that student come to those meetings every six weeks to discuss you know the progress that they're making with us but also how how we can move that then forward to to either to reintegrate them back into school or if it's not appropriate because sometimes it isn't appropriate and they've they've they have kind of lost faith in that school and it's not going to work so to get them into the most appropriate educational setting that we can um, and that's kind of the beauty of having medical joined up with ethos is that sometimes and we've had a lot quite re- well we've always had a lot of students that that sometimes the mainstream school hasn't worked for them so that they then we then um, refer them to the to ethos the alternative provision so that they can kind of go from that medical register into a more stable kind of wholesome environment where they're with the peers um if that makes sense <laughs> no it does entirely and that is wonderful now we're going to hear a little bit from our sponsors um just for sort of three minutes it'll be but when we come back i want to uh, i am going to have to read out some of these tweets we did invite uh, both of these uh, councillors or prospective councillors or prospective politicians on, they both um, were busy or had work meetings that they would get back to us and such like. And we we couldn't make it work, whether that is, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just outright saying it, whether they started regretting saying what they were saying, but, but they are not going to join us. So I will be reading out their tweets uh, and we will hear from you all after this short break. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. 
With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to the Twilight Show, meet Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio and we are talking about whether alternative provision is a fast track to the criminal justice system or, uh, well, well, we're we're going to be telling it how it is and actually what really goes on. So I'll say welcome back to my guests, Sadie, Emma and Amreen. Um, We have been hearing a little bit about kind of what they do. Um, Now we are going to get into, I should set the context for this, um, really um, over the weekend, um, you know, a few comments were made. If you are unfamiliar, there has, you know, I think I would start this... um, with a movement that was called No More Exclusions, still is called No More Exclusions, was voted on at the um, NEU, uh, National Education Union uh, Conference, whether that would be something that they would be putting forward. It certainly is promoted by some people that they think there should be a stop to exclusions. Within this as well, we are uh, we will be struggling with the, the term exclusion itself because people are using it in all kinds of fashions. In England now, uh, there are exclusions, which would be uh, a permanent exclusion. There are what used to be called fixed term exclusions or fixed period exclusions, which are now being called suspensions where a child misses a day or two for a behaviour infraction. Um, There are also uh, what is being termed uh, as unexplained pupil exits, which includes all kinds of things, but would include off-rolling, which is where a a school uh, moves a child on, which is not in the pupil's best interests, um, and and a whole bunch of other bits. Um, it, It gets really complicated really fast. Uh, and so we will start off with some of the tweets. So I'm just going to check that our guests are back with us. Uh, Sadie, can you hear me? I'm here, Nathan. And Emma? Yep, I'm here, Nathan. And Amreen. Hi, here. 
Lovely, fantastic. Right, so feel free to jump in, and I, I do use that word quite literally because some of this stuff, as we go through, uh, will be. So we start off um, over the weekend with um, Tom Bowell, uh, and Tom is a... Um, let me just get his actual job title. Uh, I say job. Um, Croydon Labour Councillor Candidate for Addiscombe East, uh, in London, um, and he has started off by talking about uh, praising uh, some people who were talking about this anti-exclusion um, uh, idea. Um, it was picked up by um, some generally, actually, I would say mainstream colleagues, um, and it, it became a discussion. Um, so the first of his comments in response to kind of being pulled up on, hey, you know, why are you uh, pushing forward an anti-exclusion um, rhetoric was, um, if you think stripping people of their education because they have additional needs is the right thing, then I can't help you, I'm afraid. It's hugely damaging. I'm going to hazard a guess, could be wrong, that you've got no first-hand experience of being excluded. I have difference. So uh, Tom at that point is saying that he has personally been excluded. Um, and uh, by, by his age, it's, it would be assumed that that would be maybe like eight to 10 years ago. He's in his uh, early 20s. Um, now, there are a few bits to unpick there. Um, so, um, ladies, uh, what do we think about where you feel Tom is going? Do you guys agree with no more exclusions as a, as a, as a policy? Um, do you think that uh, what you do or having a child be um, excluded from a mainstream setting, removed from a mainstream setting, um, is stripping them of their education? Um, I would say absolutely not. It, it, the thing is, is that obviously when young people are, ex are excluded, there's obviously reasons behind that and we need to unpick what those reasons are. Um, the one thing I would say about maybe Tom's experience is that um, it's sort of quite dated. Like he's, obviously, 10 years ago, maybe things were, his experience might have been slightly different, and that's his lived experience. Um, but I'm just wondering whether he's been into any alternative educational settings recently or looked around and sort of unpicked what we are actually about now and what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um because I think that certainly the data suggests that, you know, in terms of alternative education, we're definitely a protective factor against um, heading towards the criminal justice system, as he says, um, rather than the opposite. Now, my initial worry with this, and I'm not sure, you know, how you guys think, is that we are talking about politicians uh, making decisions or promoting views that we, we are initially feeling they don't have all the information on. Would that be fair of me to say? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, and I think that's what, I mean, even going back to some of the things that the students said um, when we were discussing this, it, uh, one of them said, you know, um, we need to educate ourselves more on topics like this. Um, and I thought that's absolutely spot on. <laughs> I think um, that's the thing. It's about understanding um, what, the work of alternative education actually is and how we evaluate that and how we um, quality assure that yeah okay that we you know we can we can think about those things but it's really important that we understand what 
the work is about you know well it's about the child it's her, a holistic approach to a young person um, and we are trying to you know provide a, a rounded education um, which is why we talk so much about academic progress alongside personal development and getting these young people ready for post-16 and I know obviously Amreen's mentioned um, you know many of our students um, go on to post-16 settings and become very successful um, and again the data proves that. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you, you picked up there on this idea that, you know, I would say it's what surprised me about this conversation was initially was a number of mainstream colleagues who are very quick to defend alternative provisions and proofs, um, mm. but also this idea that, you know, and I've got um, Kat Stern's book here, The Excludables, and she mm. talks about parents as well, um, where there was a, a sample study of 2,000 parents and 84% of them supported the use of temporary and permanent exclusions as a, as a sanction. There seemed to be, you know, mm. th this doesn't seem to be something that necessarily schools want or something yeah. that um, uh, parents want. Mm. Um, we are going to move on then to his next week, probably the most uh, you know, controversial for me, which is the alternative is proves a fast track to the criminal justice system, I feel. Now, how do you feel about that, guys? I think what Emma said there about it kind of being a preventative is, is really important. I think um, the work that we do with the students, like Emma said on you know, a social and emotional level, is is something that they don't get in mainstream schools. Um, and if they weren't in our settings, you, you know, there would be a massive disadvantage. But the work that we're doing is 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 massively supportive, both academically and, um, you know, socially and emotionally. We do so much work around, like, literacy, just basic literacy skills to give students um, the opportunities. A lot of our students come to us having missed massive amounts of school um, due to being excluded and suspended and all the other um, all the other things and that kind of intrinsic work on their selves and their personal development um, and that real real focused approach to to supporting them academically to giving them further options um, post 16 is absolutely like the heart of what we do so yeah completely completely disagree with it and a little bit angry about that <laughs> um now you know in in my experience i would say you know it, it, i would not deny that i have uh, contact with the youth offending service you know we do work with that i i have um uh, you know interventions that are aimed at and by that i mean you know people coming in to speak with children about drugs about knife crime we do work on these things but as i as, as you said i see that very much as preventative and much more preventative than would be available in a mainstream setting um i was just i was just about to say that nathan that um in our setting we have so many interventions that take place with our young people um on site and off site because sometimes the young person needs to be away from um that sort of um, formal environment. So we have interventions maybe in um, a library setting or interventions in the home, such as um, knife crime um, workshops and also prison me no way. Um, 
um, an amazing organization that have come in and you know people that have been in the criminal justice system and they talk to our young people and they tell them because sometimes you know people may think um you know going down that path you know gangs and it's cool and um there's certain um street cred in regards to that but you see the young people's faces change when they see the reality of um prison life and you know a life of crime so i think it's quite ironic that tweet because we're doing work that keeps them out of prison and saves them from many mishaps um when they sort of go into the wider world post 16 so um totally disagree with that um and i just feel with this um with this young gentleman that he's talking a lot from his own trauma um because like you said um he's been excluded and he's probably met people in that setting that may have impacted his life and his opinion so i would like to welcome him to come into ethos maybe next time he's up north and see the work that we do and obviously if he's ever in wales to visit your setting and i'm sure he'll be pleasantly surprised now, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and this is a really tricky situation um, for us to kind of um, explain or work out, but um, I, I will explain it from my own context, you know, with regards to special educational needs or additional learning needs as they are, are here in Wales, um, ALN rather than SEN, we talk about special educational needs um, and we talk about um, attendance as well a lot. And I think that there is a confusion, or I would I would say there is a, a a difficulty in us saying that there are a higher number of children with additional learning needs or special educational needs in alternative provisions, or that the attendance at um, alternative provisions and pupil referral units is not as good because one of the entry criteria, for want of a better word, is those things. So us saying that, you know, and this is something that, that goes on to be said, that actually, if you look, there are more children with special educational needs in these settings. It's kind of, I don't know, it's like a, a, a double negative to me. I would, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put it to you. Do you feel, or are there more, or is it justifiable that there are more pupils with special educational needs or disabilities in your settings? Well, they've all obviously all the young people that come to us are, you know, are vulnerable in some way or another, um, which is why they've been referred to us um, because the mainstream setting is not um, necessarily the right environment for them. Um, but then obviously the environment that they're in, our nurturing environment allows them to, to thrive because it's the right place for them and it's the right setting for them. Um, so they're able to make that progress that it might not necessarily make if they were in mainstream in a mainstream setting. So does it surprise you then that, you know, like children who mm. have uh, more disadvantages, and I would include, you know, I'm not using that as the, the, the social disadvantage term, but more disadvantages towards accessing a mainstream provision can't access a mainstream provision? Yeah, well, it's not... Um... They can't access it perhaps as successfully as they can an alternative provision, which is smaller and is tailored to meet individual needs. And we have, you know, obviously, the, as Sadie talked about earlier, the resources um, to, and the expertise to be able to really work with these young people on a one-to-one -one basis um, because that environment is one that is more suited to them. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you've answered it as well as I possibly can as well, because I find myself going around in circles with this when I talk to people and they say, oh, but you've got children, more children who are from a disadvantaged background. I say, yes, because that brings with it disadvantages that we have to address. And that is specifically my role to address disadvantages. So I work more with children who have more disadvantages. (laughs) It's kind of like a a cyclical... thing if you see what I mean now we're going to move on to um, we were joined now not to be unfair to the the Labour uh, potential councillor there he was joined by um, a uh, Richard Harris who um, is uh, part of the Croydon Tories uh, Conservative candidate for Thornton Heath Um, now he joined in to say um, you know support here and say that when Tom said, I've seen firsthand locally the impact of knife crime, gang crime on our communities, these are driven by educational exclusion. And remember, in this term, we're talking about children who are in the settings we are describing, because this is what has been defined by them as exclusion from mainstream. Um, this, the, you know, The knife crime, the gang, gang crime is driven by that, Um, by children in alternative provisions or not in mainstream education. Um, And Richard Harris goes on to say, for once, I agree with Tom. I've worked in education as a school governor. I've seen both cultures. And I have to say, it's a generation thing. Exclusion doesn't need to happen. And in this conversation, what we're talking about is alternative provision doesn't need to happen. So um, how do you feel about that if I said... There are people who are saying what you do isn't needed or doesn't have to happen. I think that what needs to happen is that mainstream schools need to be given more time and more resources and more funding to to support students before they come to us. If if that's you know why why does it have to be an exclusion? Why do they have to be excluded? It's a horrible term in 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 itself. Um, you know. Is there not a way that the government can kind of, I mean, I'm no politician, but, uh, (laughs) you know, kind of support schools to have their own kind of alternative provision within a mainstream school setting? Um, I I just don't think that it's it's not fair on mainstream schools to expect them to. And again, it comes down to to Ofsted and things, doesn't it? I I mean, to be able to support students and also do all the other million billion things that they've been asked to do um as emma said before our school is is very much a balance between semh progress um you know personal personal development as well as academia but there's such an emphasis on academic progress um that you know it's no surprise that schools are kind of thinking oh i don't know what to do with these students like you know we've got to get them this grade and we've got to get them to do this and we can't have this neat figure um and and kind of not knowing what to do with them to the point where they, they do come to us but if there was the funding in place and the support in place and you know that education in place to support them in school then that that would make sense um so i you know i think i'm going to put you the the model that i work in because it's slightly different to the model um in england here in wales um and and specifically in swansea where i am which the general uh, principle and the and, the, and the, the setting i work in whilst it is alternative provision we are attached to a mainstream school we are on a mainstream site um we are in a separate building 
but our children are in the mainstream uniform and as a bridging model, they still have some lessons that they attend in the mainstream building with their peers. But this under the framework of no more exclusionary behaviour would still be considered a negative, a detriment to the children because they are not in the, um, the, the classroom of 30 with their peers. Um, so even that would be bad. Wow. That's really surprising. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think um, going back to what you were saying about, you know, there isn't a need for alternative provision. I think given the current climate that we've just all been through, I think it's now more than ever that we need um, this kind of provision and this kind of, because, you know, what we're saying basically is that, um it's a one size fits all, isn't it, for all students? And mm. if we, you know, if they can't fit into the mainstream model, then um, that they can't fit into the education system, and that's, you know, r- quite frankly ridiculous. Because you know, our young people, there's so many different reasons why mainstream education doesn't work for some young people. And I think, given the current climate and obviously post pandemic or current pandemic or it, it, it's even more apparent um, that that's that that's the case. Um, and I would say, you know, I think this is where we get a little bit mixed and a little bit, um, you know, some confusion around the language of what she is. And I will bring it back to the 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 tweet that was um, the, that was put out as a quote of um, uh, Mary Belstead, um, oh. who suggested that. Um, so th- this was the quote that she had um, uh, when asked about exclusion. She said, if you are black, you have SEN or have missed school a lot, you are more likely to be off-rolled, she said. Uh, more than 10% of children suffer an, ex- an illegal exclusion from school. And so this is what she was saying. So she was saying in a class of 30, three of those will have at some point um, in their secondary education have been... Um, made to feel that they are not welcome at the school that they are at and we should do something about that now what they are saying though is that it it shouldn't be what you are doing so can you see any way around sort of squaring that circle or circling that i can't remember what the word is can you see a way that you know you could your children could fit into a mainstream setting I think if you're talking about true inclusion, um, I think what we do is truly inclusive. Um, and obviously from what you've described, I think what you guys do is is, is truly inclusive um, because you're, you're meeting the needs of individual unique students as much as you can um, who, you know, no matter what, <clears throat> you know, she's saying that what we're doing is not the right thing. What, what is she suggesting that we do instead? Well, I don't think anyone's got that far. I think, you know, there is there is a suggestion that, you know, I see that, you know, I recognise that we are a high-level intervention, right? We are, you know, quite a high and intensity thing, but needed and not done lightly and not done without um, the support of the people involved. I guess the children you work with, you know, maybe if we put it on that, do they harbour 
negative feelings about the school that they have left if they have left a school um, do they feel um, negative about the setting that they are now in with you that it's you know in some way a punishment um, I think that certainly some of the young people do um, have um, negative feelings around their mainstream school, but that's mainly because obviously the experience hasn't been very positive for them as an individual student. Um, and sometimes they do come to us with that um, stigma that they're, you know, they're here because they're quote unquote naughty. Um, but as part of our sort of pupil integration and our introduction into the setting, we talk, we very much unpick that um, that belief because obviously it's not the case. Um, and we talk to them about it as an opportunity for them to um, be in a setting that might be more appropriate, um, and that they've you know they've now been given this op- this opportunity to. Um, have a couple of years well where where the three of us work is a key stage four we work in the key stage four setting so our young people are um years 10 and 11 age 14 16 so they can be with us for up to two years um and sometimes they they spend um the whole two years with us sometimes they just spend a year with us um obviously it depends on when they're referred etc um and i think that's a little bit of a misconception as well sometimes that um we all do the same thing. All alternative provisions provide the same sort of um, high-level support, as you said, Art. Um, but I think there are, you know, there are alternative provisions across the country that provide different things, and it's important to get the students in the right place to meet their individual needs as well. But um, I think when you look at the outcomes um, of the young people that we work with. Also, in regards to our dual register students, a lot of them um, sometimes may come in with a negative mindset with their mainstream school about their mainstream schools. But we really focus on um, turning that negativity into positivity and trying to reintegrate them back into school. And you know, there's um, a variety of methods, like you, um, I think you mentioned. Sometimes they have a part-time timetable. They're with us um, for some of the sessions and then they may do some option sessions in school um, and also having like a mentor in school that liaises with the lead teachers on the medical provision. So there's a really clear communication between um, the mainstream schools and alternative provisions. Um, so in regards to um, this sort of negative mindset, we, we do really try to um, you know, take that away from the equation because I think the education system as a whole, you know, I feel like the mainstream schools and the alternative provisions work quite well together. Mm. And, you know, because we all want the best outcome for um, the young people. And that's that's the focus. And I think that's um, what many people seem to forget um, when they're not in the education system and talk about the education system. Um, you know, there's that uh, misunderstanding. Yes, certainly. You know, I would recognise that, this idea that, you know, and that's why I think some of these conversations are important. Lots of people shared um, their, their their expertise, or, you know, in these Twitter threads saying, look, please come and come and listen, come and talk to us, come and understand actually what it's like when, yeah. uh, you know, a child joins a provision like this. 
Absolutely. And, and as Amreen said, we have really clear lines of communication with our mainstream settings. And um, they, they do, we have, we quite every half term, at the end of every half term, we have a celebration event um, where we celebrate successes. And our mainstream colleagues are always invited to attend those um, and see the, the students, um, you know, doing really well, which is really nice. Um, and so, again, I think that's another thing when I was earlier when I was talking about you know, understanding the work that we do. Um, I think certainly for us personally, we've done a lot of work around, um, as Amreen said, really clearly communicating and being really open with our mainstream colleagues and obviously inviting them to visit and keep in contact with the, with the students as well and, and speak to the students. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the thing for me is I recognise that it's an intervention, but it's an intervention with purpose that has a has a goal of improving the situation you know it's not and, and and that's where all of this falls apart for me is that there is no you know ex exclusion which is the way they phrase it and, and they are not phrasing it as you know the, the formal permanent exclusion they're talking about leaving a mainstream setting um it, it goes into an abyss is, is what seems to be being suggested, which is from this conversation, clearly not the case. Now, what I would like to be able to do is we're going to pop to the news. If you are happy to stay around, um, when we come back, I'd like to hear, you know, we'll talk about some thoughts on what could be done. You know, I think we have to take some of this on the chin, maybe as professionals ourselves and open our doors a bit. Um, but also what should be done by some of the people commenting on education in this area. So that, um, you know, comments like this don't really happen. Are you all happy to stick around? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Great. We will see you all the other side of the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, head teachers are optimistic that the new term beginning on Monday will be the most normal since 2019. School visits, leavers events, sports days, awards, fairs and shows are running for the first time since the pandemic began. New schools advice is due to be issued on Friday, May the 6th. Teaching unions, however, have warned that it is not business as usual and there is still a high risk of COVID disruption. Teaching union, UCAC, summed up mixed feelings saying, hopefully with the weather improving, there will be more opportunities for schools to plan extracurricular activities. However, only time will tell if the infections will rise or not after the Easter break. Karen Brown, head teacher of Millbank Primary School in Cardiff, said, We are not so worried about COVID now, but there were still plenty of cases last term, so we are continuing with good ventilation and hygiene. We are looking forward to things like sports days again. Our plan is to invite parents to that and to our first year six labour service for two years. We started trips last term and years five and six had an amazing time at Story Arms. We couldn't do that in the last two years. According to new research by the National Literacy Trust, parents spent less time reading, chatting and playing with their children during the pandemic. The Trust surveyed more than 1,500 parents with children under five. Overall, the report found that fewer parents of young children engaged in home learning activities, reading, chatting, playing, singing or painting and drawing, in 2021 compared with 2019, despite spending more time in their home with their child due to the pandemic. Spokesperson Alison Tebbs said, It was such a difficult time for people. There was less support for families. There was less socialisation happening and beneficial activities like going to the park or library were often unable to take place. Reading with children and having conversations is vital for helping their brains develop. 
One of the reasons two-year-olds act out is because they're trying to communicate feelings which they can't explain verbally. That's why you get tantrums. The more words they have and the more support they get when they communicate, the more in touch they will be with their emotions and with the wider world. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this term is known to be one of the hardest. When we're distracted and tired, it's easy to make a mistake and fall for a scam. There are loads of scams out there, but the use of subdomains to give a fake sense of security is one scam that a lot of people fall for. In the interest of keeping you, your family and your friends safe over the next two episodes, I'm going to explain the fake bank message scam and how it can look so believable. First up, we need to discuss how data travels over the internet. If you explore an internet address, let's take Teachers Talk Radio as our example, https www.ttradio.org. There are basically four parts. HTTPS, this is Hypertext Transfer Protocol, with the S standing for secure. Protocols are used for data transfer. The HTTP protocol allows the transmission of HTML or hypertext markup language from a web server to your computer. In basic terms, it lets a web page be requested and viewed. The confusion here is the secure version. Some believe that seeing a site is HTTPS and has a little padlock in the address bar means that you are protected. To some extent, this is true. However, the security certificate for a site simply encrypts or scrambles the transmission. So if it's intercepted, it can't be used. So yes, you are secure from interception but if the owner of a website is dishonest, you're not safe from them. The next three parts are to do with where the web page resides or the address. Like we need a postcode and house number, your computer needs to know where to look for the information you want. WWW is the World Wide Web, a huge network of interconnected networks. TT Radio is the name of the website and .org is the top level domain. Again, simplifying this, .org domains are kept in a kind of phone book that can be accessed by your internet service provider. So to find ttradio.org, .org tells you to look in the .org phone book for TT Radio and return where the website is for your browser to download it. Why don't you ask your pupils, family and friends what they believe the padlock and HTTPS means? You may be surprised at the answer you receive. Next time, we're going to look at how criminals use this misconception to gain your trust. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boridar Pal Kroisoi Abatawi, head of one. Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show. Meet Nathan again on Teachers Talk Radio. And I love those two minute texts with Steve, but I, I just feel like so. Uh, Afterwards, I've, I've just kind of like, wow, there is so much that I didn't know. Um, so I'm always keen to hear those. Um, I should say as well, while we're listening, if you are interested in hosting on Teachers Talk Radio, um, check out our website 
as Steve said, www.ttradio.org, and you'll find a link there, as well as the ability to listen back to all of our shows, particularly if you missed out on the start of this one, where I'm joined by Sadie, Emma, and Amreen um, to talk about uh, education other than mainstream settings. Um, we have been talking about some of the tweets. Uh, the 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 I'm going to say misinformation, misinformed. I think would be the correct way to say comments about what happens in alternative provisions and pupil referral units. So welcome back, uh, Sadie. Let's check you're still with us. Uh, Sadie, can you hear yes, me? Yes, I am. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Panicked <laughs> me for a second there. And Emma, still with us? Yes, I'm still here. And Amreen, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Fantastic. Well, it's lovely to hear from you all. And it's been lovely to hear about your experiences, how you got into um, working in alternative provision, hear about the provisions themselves, and also hear about some of those misconceptions and addressing them about really, you know, what goes on with a child once they have left mainstream education uh, to to find hopefully uh, something that fits them a little bit better would be my word. I We use in, in my setting, we use a word that is Welsh called Cynedin, which means uh, somewhere that you belong. And I truly do believe that about proofs and alternative provisions, that actually it is not a removal from something. It is a finding somewhere that works for you. Uh, and so it's been lovely to talk about that. But I will also say that uh, I feel... Uh, personally maybe this is you know something that you can correct me on in the settings you work in that sometimes we are a little bit more closed than mainstream settings we are a little bit less good at promoting the good work we do and maybe that's why there are so many misconceptions so I'm going to open the floor to say you know should we be doing more or what can should other people be doing to get to know us better to get to know these provisions better to get the word out about them Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think one of the things that I've set myself as a personal target this year is to to go into the mainstream schools and work, uh, speak to the colleagues um, that we work with in mainstream or alongside, sorry, um, and to, to kind of educate them about what we do and, and kind of while their students are, are with us, what we're doing with them, why we're doing it and, and kind of the purpose, the purpose for it because um, sometimes I get you know students are dual registered and they come to us and I having worked in mainstream school I remember when I first started teaching I had a student that was dual registered and I just kind of thought oh they don't they don't count which is awful I was in my very early years of teaching but I just didn't really understand it I, I was misinformed I wasn't educated about what dual registered meant um having it's only now having worked in in um, alternative provision that I am aware of, of what that means and the, the importance of that collaboration. So yeah, as a personal goal for myself this year, that's, that's one of the things that I've set myself to do because it, you know, it's not anybody's fault. Um, it's, it, but we do need to educate people. We need to educate teachers. We need to educate, um, you know, students, we need to educate the wider world and politicians evidently. So um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Now, Amreen, you spent some time working on the other side of the fence as well. Um, what are your thoughts? Sorry, you're talking about myself and mainstream settings? Yes, sorry, go oh, ahead. Yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that, yeah, I totally um, agree with what Sadie was saying there. Um, and also perhaps it's you know, mandatory that um, 
as part of your teacher training that you spend time in alternative settings um, and consider, you know, um, what that's like. Because again, yeah, you, I, you know, I spent 12, 12 years of my um, teaching in a mainstream setting and I was, you know, similar. I didn't fully understand what um, an alternative provision did and what it looked like and what it felt like and when you went in um, and then, but when I came for the job interview, I just knew straight away that it was where I wanted to be. Um, and I think, again, there's a bit of a misconception around um, staff, as I think I said, is touched upon already in terms of specialism. And I think we are a very specialised group of people and we're there because we want to be there and we want to make that difference. I think that's really important as well. Um, and Amreen? I, um, just in regards to um, promoting ourselves, I think, you know, um, a lot of my colleagues are sort of hidden gems and hidden saints and they really don't, we don't really promote ourselves as much as I feel like um, we should be. And I know with Ethos now, we've, um, you know, we're having a staff open um, day. So people from other settings, mainstream settings that may potentially feel, you know, um, they would want to work in alternative provision or they may be interested in what an alternative provision is. Um, and we have like an open door policy. Um, you know, everyone's welcome and they, they come in and they see, and a lot of people are shocked. Like, you know, we've had local councillors in, we've had members of um, the faith community in, we've had um, local um, police officers and community liaison workers in, and even charities. And they're so shocked when they work, walk through Ethos. And I've, you know, at times given um, these um, tours of our provision. And one of the things that stands out that they say is like, oh, it's so quiet. It's so, you know, and they sort of pop their heads into, you know, Emma's English lesson or, you know, um, a maths lesson. And they're so surprised that the students are on task, focused, smiling, happy, I'm not saying that's the case every day. Yeah, we have days, you know, that um, may be a bit, um, um, what's the word, challenging. But the majority of the time, people will be really surprised um, when they visit our provision and other provisions of what an alternative provision is. It's not this, um, you know, stigmatized, um, stereotypical image that, you know, that's being portrayed in the media. Yeah, I think you know, well to just just. Sorry, I was just gonna, I was just going to add to that in terms of what Amreen was saying about you know inviting people in to come and look around. I think um, we are very much, and I don't know whether you'd agree, but we're very much like specialists in lots of areas. Inadvertently, I think when you work in a alternative provision, you kind of get so many strings to your bow, um, and that we actually should be sharing that in a way because you kind of become. A behavior expert and a counselor and and all these other kind of amazing attributes that you develop when you work in an alternative provision and when you were talking earlier about you know reintegrating students back into mainstream settings actually it would be wonderful if we could kind of share what we do and that good practice um and that inclusivity with mainstream schools um in order to to, to make a more successful reintegration yeah, and, you know, I was going to reflect on that as well, that, you know, I, I have had people come into in my own setting and, yeah, one of the, you know, the things that they say in almost a surprised way is they'll say, like, oh, you know, it's really calm in here. And, I, and I, you know, my, my response to that is, yeah, we work, you know, really hard to think about making sure 
it is that thing because it is that is really important as a you know a ground level base level thing that we get that right and so a lot of my thought has to go into that because that's the first stepping stone before getting the learning uh, the other thing that i that's... loved that you said amreen sorry go ahead Sorry, carry on, Nathan. I'll interject. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I love this idea. My big takeaway from all of this is that you said about inviting counsellors and local dignitaries kind of thing in. Now, I haven't done that, but if, I, you know, I know, and I would say this to people listening, there are elements within education, within politics as well, who are talking about uh, the removal of the opportunity to exclude, and I'm doing that in inverted commas, which means, you know, remove from a mainstream setting as they see it. I see, see it as place in a more appropriate setting, but they are looking to do that. And so I think it is important for us to talk about. And yeah, actually, one of the things that I may well be doing off the back of this myself is saying, actually, do you know what? If there are local people who are looking to involve themselves in this, then actually I want them to see what, it is we are doing and how important it is before they make decisions based on uh, opinions that are 15 years out of date. Absolutely. And, and I think that goes back to, you know, obviously we're very much at the heart of the community. Um, and so inviting local MPs in for the local area um, is something that we've done for the past couple of years um, because, you know, obviously we are central to as We're not just, we are, we're part of the community as a whole, aren't we? And we need to be opening our doors for that. And I think one of the things that um, we do as a provision, which is because we've relocated from a Huddersfield setting to a Dewsbury setting. And one of the th first things we did for our local community, because when you hear that your, you know, your local community centre is now an alternative provision and there's um, we're slap bang in the middle of a housing estate, you know, peep, this is a residential area. And um, one of the first things we did um, was make them community links. So there's a lovely lady at the bottom of our drive. Um, she's an elderly lady. She lives on her own. And um, our centre manager made an extra effort. We sent her a hamper and we told her about a provision. We invited her in. You know, um, we sent Christmas cards and Diwali cards and Eid cards out to the local community um, at um, at that time of year and we really want to be a part of the community we don't want to be seen as um, you know so, um, like um, an ogre or a separate you know because <laughs> our students are, are a part of this community and they are and they go on to do great things and we really want to showcase not ourselves and not our provision but the amazing amazing students that come through our doors and flourish and I'm not I'm not just saying that biasly I'm saying that because I've seen this with my own eyes you know students have come in with such low confidence and you know such negative mindset towards education and through the nature of our um, uh, nurture of our staff and the specialized um, skills that you know is throughout our staff team um, you know, these children have really found comfort in that and both like, you know, the ladies have said academically, socially and emotionally have just, you know, gone strength to strength. So we really do need to showcase that more. And I think this is something that all provisions across the UK and, you know, across Wales, Scotland, um, you know, need to do because there's no shame in being in, a, in an alternative provision. There's no shame at all. And that's something that I feel like we really need to get across. Yeah, I really love that. I'd, and also, it sounds, you know, what we are describing, what you have very, very well described, the love, is the opposite of what people are saying. You know, these, the, 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 these comments that have come in have said things that children 
uh, have been ostracized from their community. And what you have described is an incredible amount of work that's gone into reconnecting them with their community and making them community part of them and proud of them and then proud of their community, which sounds like it's the opposite of what's being said. Yeah, definitely. Um, Amreen's led on absolutely loads of community projects. She's not doing herself, she's doing herself a disservice here because she's actually, you know, she's arranged um, like hampers for disadvantaged families. Um, she's supported, um, you know, during the pandemic students to, to make supplies for hospitals, um, you know, like little packages to take in for, for families that weren't able to visit their their families in hospitals she's done so much work to to help it be an inclusive environment so well done Amreen I just wanted to <laughs> oh it <laughs> sounds like that. it you know I am you know I am enthralled by this this is you know like uh, but, but as I say you know I think one of those things and this you know why I take away this idea of opening our doors inviting people in being proud of it as well and as you say you know that you know it is not a you know it's not a dirty word it's not something to be ashamed of that you are at that 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 place. It's what you need, and it is what will help you succeed the best. And I really love that as a as a kind of message of actually what is happening in alternative provision. And I think one of our students said as well, um, you know, recently when we, again when we were discussing this in class, um, that they couldn't be prouder to to be in the setting that they're in. Um, and again, that you know just links back to what I'm really saying is, and we do instill a sense of pride. Um, and talk to them about you know that this is their community this is their school community this is where and I loved what you said about um Nathan about belonging I think that's um so key isn't it to well-being <laughs> a sense of belonging um and I think we, we that's very central to our sort of um, mental health message within ethos as well that sense of belonging um and I think that's that's so important I definitely agree with you, Emma, in regards to belonging. And some, one of the things that always makes me smile with our year 11s when they leave, when we have prom and, um, you know, we have like a big celebration about all their achievements and um, throughout the two years that they've been with us in our ethos college provision. Um, and one of the things that makes me smile so much is when the young people um, leave with hoodies saying, um, you know, class of, you know, 2001 or class of 2018 with their names and all the classmates' names on this hoodie with Ethos Academy Trust plastered at the back and the front of the hoodie. And then a couple of years down the line, I see these same students in the local park still wearing their hoodie, still really proud and waving, saying, oh, hi, miss, hi, Amreen, <laughs> hi, Emma, and still really proud of the fact that they attended Ethos College because they don't see it as an alternative provision. They see it as home because over them two years, they build such a relationship with the staff and it's their safe space. And, you know, we try our best for our students to feel safe and to feel, um, feel you know, um, wanted, needed and, you know, empowered in our setting. And I feel like it's so lovely when you see them still wearing their ethos hoodies, you know, in a couple of years down the line. Just wanted to share that little antidote. No, you know, it is, you know, I think the perfect way for us to end, you know, as we started on this with, you know, some things that were, were being said about this area of education that, you know, um, were, you know, sort of derogatory, were belittling. And actually what we've ended on is describing children who are 
gaining an education, doing well, uh, going on to have future success and, you know, feel proud about what they've done, which I feel is, you know, we, we have come full circle to be, as I say, the, the, the opposite to these comments where we started, which is fantastic. Now, um, we do have to wrap things up, I'm afraid. Um, and so um, uh, if there are any last comments, I will go to each of you um, in turn. So Sadie first, any last comments before we have to wrap up for the evening? I just think we need to be um, accepting of students that don't fit inside the box. I think we need, just need to be accepting, embrace alternative provision as something that's really positive and nurturing um, for those students. And Emma, any last comments? Um, yeah, just to say thank you, Nathan, really, for allowing us to have this to this platform to be able to discuss these things, because obviously we've talked a lot about um, how we raise um, awareness around the work that we do. And I think having these discussions obviously goes some way to, to doing that. So thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. And Amreen, any last comments? And just same as the ladies, thank you so much for having us um, and to be able to talk openly about alternative provisions and the great work that they are doing up and down the country. And just um, in regards to one of my sort of favourite quotes that um, that I was talking about um, with the ladies earlier in regards to education, you know, um, let us remember one book, one pen, one child, one teacher can change the world. And that is regardless of the title of your school and regardless of the title of your setting because if you have the right support system you know um each and every one of these students who may have been excluded averted commas can be included as a very wholesome member of society and go on to do great things so thank you for opening this discussion and i hope the politicians um you know somewhat you know change their ideas in regards to alternative provisions and we welcome everyone to come and attend our provision and see the great work that the staff team and um, invite them to see our amazing young people as well so thank you I, you know, I, I, Amreen, I could honestly listen to you for hours talking about this stuff. It, it, you know, that, that is lovely. Um, and can you uh, please pass on a special thank you to your um, students, your pupils who've shared their opinions as well. That was lovely to hear some of their thoughts. Um, so that, that is wonderful. And yet thank them from us from hearing that. Um, uh, thank you to all our listeners. Um, and yeah, from here in South Wales it is Nostar, which is, of course, good night. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.